Well, it's the dynamic duo, we'll be back again. Nothing back with DJ, you better pack it in. You're lacking sense. Trying to tangle with us, scoop up a big black booties in the back of the bus to smack you. You're stealing your lunch, money to search. Ready to feel like just a touch. Only by the end of the day, that's understandable. What can I say? You got strong man to be. Mind, mind, Absolutely no idea what has happened to it. What's up? We do this. Hey, Ben. Not too bad this week. Deep in the bowels of winter. Yes. It's going to be a minimum of three here tomorrow. That's actually much colder than it's going to be. It was supposed to have a polar blast, Arctic blast, some kind of something that sounds like a Powerade variant and uh, whatever. Put another hoodie on. Yeah, well. I've been doing some cold swimming because I'm a bit crazy, and uh, my feet have yet to warm up yet. So, well, the the dog's got kennel cough, so we have to keep her away from other dogs. She sounds like she's trying to call ducks. She's kind of like, it's quite a. Actually, that's it. That's what she sounds like. So not a lot of outside running around, but then again, I don't think it's really going to be outside running around weather anyway. How how much interest have you got in this NBA finals? I'm strangely disengaged, and I, don't, I was thinking about it today when you sent me that message about the Suns, and I don't know whether it's just that I can't figure out why my team completely shit the bed. So the message I sent Bezo today, folks, was the um, the ath- story by The Athletic that revealed that uh, through game six and seven, when the Suns mysteriously just shut the bed, they were hiding, allegedly, a raft of COVID cases in their playing staff and coaching staff, mm. um, which might explain why they all played like they should have been at home in bed with a lemsip and some sort of Netflix marathon. <laughs> well, you know, DeAndre Ayton would have been at home firing up Call of Duty or whatever. He would not have changed what he does <laughs> under any circumstances. He still he would have had the headset on. He would have been calling people a whole bunch of slurs. Look, the the, the funny thing is, is I can't remember who it was. Might have been have a straight. Someone was basically saying the Suns deep down in their bones just don't believe our centre should be getting $30 million a year. And it's like, yeah, no shit. That's why we all said don't draft a centre as your number one pick. It's almost like, well, I was going to say, it's almost like that's because a centre should never earn earn that much money, but we live in a world that has- uh, Two of them. Yes, Joel Embiid and uh, the floating loaf of bread from Serbia. (laughs) Which is like sort of- the exception that proves the rule. But that doesn't yeah. mean that because there's two unicorns, it doesn't mean you give everyone who looked like a, a horse with a fucking a cornetto cone stuck to its head that looks a bit unicorny. You don't give him the same money as you give the the actual unicorn. L- little sidebar here. There's just this this beautiful, gentle thing in in the uh, Letterkenny spinoff in, in Shawsy where at, at the end of the game they have the, the game stick, which is an ice cream cone, and the best player gets you know, first pick of the ice cream cones after the game. <laughs> in this sport where, you know, you're out to, to uh, you know, 
uh, inflict the maximum amount of carnage on another person, and then it's like, yeah. well, do- well done, have an ice cream, have an ice cream. Well, you need that for, for calming your. I mean, I mean, it's basically the the bush rugby league of of sports yeah. in, in Canada. Um, is this the part where we shoehorn in our NHL coverage? I think we need to pour a little bit out because the Edmonton Oilers' reign of terror, i.e. making every team they play play a game that seems to be first to 10, uh, is over. They got swept in the uh, the conference finals. I think the final game was 6-5 in overtime, which is a baseball score. Look, is there a chance that Dolan could be a successful owner. That's all I'm worried about. I'm, I'm really worried about that too, because eh? the, the 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 reigning champions of the last two years are the Tampa Bay, I almost said Buccaneers, Tampa Bay Lightning. But they suck this year. They finished like eighth and they actually played, they, they were you know they, they were no good at all. Uh, well, not, not have been eighth, but they certainly weren't that good. But now they're playing the only successful team that Jim Dolan has ever been anywhere near. And I'm not counting the, the road crew for JD and the straight shot. <laughs> He's an incredibly <laughs> successful blues band. <laughs> just just saying it out Have you loud, got kennel just, cough? <laughs> just makes you it, – it, it does not – it sounds like an over-the-top storyline in a really bad uh, sitcom. It J- sounds like a bit that they made up for Saturday Night Live. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway. And, and, and we can link this back to basketball because the, the, the agency that he handed the Knicks over to, CAA, are trying to constructively – Dismiss or whatever you whatever you turn it for trying to extract uh, an asset from another team by trying to get basically CAA um, contract um, star star talent talent co- yeah. contract holder the better way. yeah CAA sign, um, represent Donovan Mitchell and uh, obviously they're trying to get him out of out of Minnesota but not before they get CAA talent Johnny Bryant the assistant coach. They're trying to get him the gig at Minnesota before they leave. So, Minnesota, Utah. Utah. I've got my story totally fucked here. But, um, I mean, El Hassan and um, Tom uh, Havistro's podcast had a really interesting interview with one of the Utah beat writers, one of the local newspaper guys, not one of these ESPN types, unpicking the whole, you know, CAA agent involvement and also the involvement with Woj, who was also CAA talent. And how, you know, it's pretty clear that, that the stories are being leaked to Woj so Woj could undermine Utah and, and get some sort of result that CA would be happy, happy with, which would either be Donovan Mitchell on the Knicks and or Johnny Bryant as head coach of the Utah Jazz. So, so I think Utah are going through a similar sort of uh, let's have a good hard look in the mirror moment that the Suns have gone, which is do they really want to let Mitchell have the LeBron James power and pick his coach and and make front office decisions because like Mitchell's really good right but I don't think he's that good yeah I he's think, they don't put people who are really good in, in the in the Hall of Fame people no. who are really good aren't the, aren't the aren't the lead star on a fucking championship team and this is the problem with those small markets the teams that are incredibly grateful to get a player of that caliber is that they're much more likely to hand, hand the franchise over. I mean, you can see the same thing with, with Dame in Portland. I mean, it's, yeah. it's essentially the same kind of shit. Except Utah have the institutional, um, I guess, balls that they've done this before, right? Had. They traded up. Had. Yeah, I guess so. Lindsay's gone. Lindsay's gone. And now you've got Danny Ainge and you've got Ryan Smith, uh, some sort of weird Mormon Trumpian uh, power couple. And uh, 
I don't know. Like, like the the play the play here is to do the same thing as last time, right? Tr- trade your star to a New York team, get shitloads of assets for a long time to come, and hope that you you, you know get another shot at a you, you know. Like, and this is the but it's a long way back, man. I mean, if you're yeah. if you've only just got to, like, I mean, last year they got to be the best team in the regular season. They were the best team in the fucking NBA in the regular season, and mm. that's gone, and it's not coming back, and they're going to have to go through another five year rebuild. That's that's tough to stomach, even if you are a new owner, even if you do have the opportunity to build it all in your own in your own image with, you know, Danny Ainge, your weird uncle, as uh, uh, driving the bus. <laughs> yeah, and you don't have like if they'd flip Mitchell for RJ Barrett and some picks, then. Quinn's probably good enough to make that a top eight team, right? Well, but- if Quinn plays his, plays his cards wrong, he might not end up coaching RJ Barrett and some picks. Because yeah. that was the other story during the week, folks, was that uh, Quinn Snyder, the coach of the Jazz, uh, decided to fuck off home. He'd rather do that than coach for another year. And in reality, he probably should have done that after last year. I think that was the point at which the, the best point to, to bail out of the whole Donovan, Rudy, Melange, clusterfuck, whatever you want to call it. But... Uh, uh, it, look, it's look, been bad. Uh, it got to the point where he, he was just ranting sweatily in press conferences with a flak jacket on like some kind of deranged diehard sequel supervillain. It's a little hard for me to, you know, feel empathy with a coach that's earning millions of dollars where, whereas I don't think I've earned a single... Well, <laughs> nobody has clarified whether he's actually getting paid to fuck off because he's resigned, so yeah, technically he, that means he broke the contract. But uh, No, but- no, they, he gets paid, but he can't coach anywhere else. Well, that's gardening leave. That's the best kind of leave. That's better than sick leave. It's better than annual leave. Yeah. It's better than paternity leave. So if you don't he, have to clean any shooting nappies. If he wanted if he wanted to go and coach somewhere else, he has to ask out. Like And he doesn't want to coach anywhere else until Pop retires and he takes the Spurs yeah. job. Because that all he's an ex Spurs guy and that's the job they're all lining up for. Yeah, that's that's a like I was thinking about that, right? Eme probably would have been a really, really good replacement for Pop. But still might be. Still might be. Yeah, he might. He the, might. The pull of the Spurs is so strong. Yeah. You'd wonder whether if the Spurs, you know, went to Eme and said, "All right, do you want to come back?" He'll go back. They will. Yeah. They'll always go back. I mean, look how. I mean, what were the Celtics doing in the warm up against against the Dubs? They fucked the air conditioning in, in their change rooms and they put the, the hoop two yeah. inches higher than it should have been. That is pure Spurs. That is the DNA of the San Antonio Spurs. Fuck yeah. with people in tiny little ways to put them off their game when they're away from home. There's a reason that everyone talks about Pop's CIA beginnings or whatever it was that, you know, what yeah. was he in Army, Army Intelligence? Air Force Intelligence, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like that, that's... And- like it's a big, it's big shoes to step into, right? To be the first coach after Pop, but all of those guys. Oh, is it though? I mean, but I think Pop's, I think Pop's not going to go out on top. Pop's going to go out, no, handing it over building. at a at a place where it's going to be in a good place, but not a. I mean, unless they massively overperform next season, and they're, um, I mean, you could see them getting into the eight, but. They're not. I don't think they're up, unless they make some massive trade. They're not poised to become contenders again. So it's not like he's going to go out with a title. He's going to sort of go I, out I, with I, a with kind of a. I believe the children are our future kind of placing. Yeah, I actually think ten is a more realistic place for them, considering Portland will probably be back in some sort of shape, and all the other teams in the West except Utah will probably get a little bit better. 
and even the even the Lakers might be. No, mate, don't. Let's talk about- Don't dislocate something stretching for that one. Let's talk about the fact that this is classic abusive relationship, right, where the partner stands out the front and says, yeah, yeah, everything's going to be great while the abuser looms behind them. What the fuck was Russ doing at that press conference? That was weird, man. The Lakers are just weird, really fucking weird. They're a weird team. They're like they're like the only non-modern NBA team left. Like even Sacramento is a little bit more modern than the Lakers. Um, you know the the Timberwolves have shed their old school sort of incompetency. They seem to you know they've got a, a modern NBA coach and a modern NBA executive. The Lakers are just weird. If anybody knew what was happening in Orlando, they might have. You, you'd probably say something's happening in Orlando. The Wizards. I mean, they haven't they haven't won forty games in forty years. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, the Wizards. Orlando is like uh, like a weird experiment that just. But they've had they've also had some bad luck, right? They they've picked like three times in the in the lottery at the point where the draft falls off a cliff. You know, you got a clear top three, and then there's a massive drop off to four, and they've had the fourth pick, I mean, or they've had the fifth but pick. Then, then you look a little bit further in the draft, and somebody's got a superhero who's better than everybody oh, else in the draft. So, for, for sure, I don't but, have but a lot of sympathy for people that yeah. you know that sort of stuff. I mean, Charlotte have been a non, have been a non entity essentially since since the Bobcats, and I understand that yeah. they're um uh, they're looking for a new coach at the moment, and Mike D'Antoni is in the interviews. And he is—he's older than a, everyone's dad. Yeah, he's he, he'd old. Be a, he'd be a good fit for Lonzo, though. He would, like, but but it kind of makes I've sort of two thoughts about that. One, obviously, a he's fucking old, and I thought I thought he was over, and it was over for coaching. Yeah, I thought he was like a consultant. And B, he obviously doesn't think Doc's going anywhere. He obviously doesn't think this much talked about idea that he's going to be airdropped in to to replace Doc uh, is going to be a thing, unless he's just interviewing for the. You know, for something to do, keep him off the golf course. Is he in the Bruce Willis? I've got some gambling debts and need to pay some bills. Stage of his oh, career. Unfo- well, unfo- that's that's Phil Mickelson. Unfortunately, Bruce Willis has a debilitating yeah. neurological disorder and and is you know dying in front of us. So he's trying to rack up as much money as he can before he uh, before he can no longer work. But if Phil Mickelson's the guy you're thinking of you know, in terms of I'm yeah. going to do I'm going to do deals with the worst people in the fucking world, and I'm going to look like a, my uh, my fucking eyelids have been pinned open with a staple gun uh, because I have hideous gambling debts. That I need to feed. Quite what Greg Norman's we're fucking talking- excuse for being involved, apart yeah, from I was gonna say- heinous ego and massive narcissism. Uh, I'm not quite sure. I, I thought you, when you said the worst people in the world, I thought you were talking about Greg Norman. Um- <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, it, it goes as much, yes. And, and so concludes our golf coverage forever. Uh, I, I did see a headline on one, uh, one uh, sports opinion piece, like, the fight for the soul of golf. And I'm like- the fucking what? Golf has a soul? Yeah, that's kind of my point. It's it's just walking for Tories. It's f- bullshit. Fuck it. Give us back our land, you cunts. Give us back our public like, space. Talking about, you know how we've been talking about strip mining front offices and coaching staff of successful teams? Yeah. I was thinking about- With Denver is the most prominent recent example of that. Yeah, I was thinking about the opposite of that where you make a really good hire from outside the NBA- uh, that immediately boosts your um, 
you know, b- boosts your stock, your coaching stock or your front office stock without having to strip mine someone else. And who was the – I can't remember the dude's name. The, the, he was the Spurs coach the over who, who who was seen as the successor to Pop for a little while and then – Barago? No, no, he's a he's a because he, he's the guy who's just been let go in Orlando, isn't he? Or no, he's an Italian coach, and he and he went he, he went back about two or three years ago and went back into the into the Euro League. Oh uh, yeah, I don't remember the name, but I'm, he's an older Italian bloke too. He's yeah, yeah, and the Nets have picked him up, and I was just like, that is just the perfect fit because he's like a sides out of bound genius playmaker. But they didn't pick him up because he was fucking, you know, he's out of the league. They picked him up because of the Spurs mafia. I mean, it's there's two teams yeah. in, the, in the East that are massively influenced by that that Spurs mafia, which is, you know, Sean Marks it as the GM of the, of the Nets and uh, Ima Adoka as the as the coach of the fucking uh, uh that green team that we don't like. Well, Bud, don't forget Bud. I can easily forget Bud. 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 But Bud doesn't operate like a Spurs guy. He doesn't accrue ex-Spurs no. people around him in the same kind of way. No, that's true. I mean, you look at Adoka. I mean, apart from the you know the, having the temperature wrong in the in the away dressing room and putting the rim at the wrong height and all that sort of stuff, picking up someone like Derek White, who you know, there's a direct connection yeah. there. Not that's only the right. type of player, but specifically the player, a player that he would have coached as an assistant down there. Bud doesn't seem seem to. Go after experts players. He doesn't seem to try to accrue experts assistant coaches. Now he's a lot. He's a lot further away from being a Spurs guy, much like Brett Brown is, I suppose you'd say. Bard, probably most obviously of all the experts people, is is kind of trying to show that it's that he's doing his own thing. But he's a quite quite a few steps beyond being a Spurs guy with the Atlanta thing and with his, his own ring. Mind you, Adoka's about to follow him on having his own ring in about... How many more games are there? About four weeks' time by the time this finishes? <sighs> yeah. We haven't talked at all about the actual final series because, as you've said, it's a bit... And, and, and I'm about... Uh, what I was going to say when you said this is that I'm kind of a bad example because I've said before, the fewer games there are, the less interested I am because then it's just down to... If I'm not that interested in the in the story... Then you know the, with the two teams involved, or if I absolutely despise one team and and they're more likely to win, yeah, I got better things to do than watch fucking Boston win shit. Well, the the only the only thing I I sort of uh sort of had was a Draymond's talking a lot of shit for like I know he got a lot of credit for that game too, but that game too was Curry. Curry won that game, not Draymond. And then, and Draymond was uh, shit in I, game one, and he was shit in game three. Game three, and I sort of wonder whether you know this galaxy brain of we're going to extend our our window Spurs like, like would one more really top level player to help Steph in some of these moments push them over the edge, because their first round picks have disappeared, you know. We're not we're not seeing those guys in meaningful minutes. They're not cooked. They're not cooked just in the right terms. They're not ready. They're not. Yeah, they're, they're not, not mature they're not enough. Fully, they're not fully baked. But yes, cooked is probably more a description of, of Draymond, given that every second game he turns in an absolute stinker. But one of the issues they have is that, I mean, they have rolled out the nearest lineup to the death lineup from 2016 that they can. Um, it's a you know, the small shooty, all that kind of lineup, and it's been getting cooked. Because the problem was the thing about the death lineup was that what it gave you this is the, this is the lineup that was Draymond at the five, which made everybody else on the court smaller and more skilled than everyone else they were playing against, whether it was you know LeBron's Cavs or, or the Rockets or the Clippers or whoever it was. The problem they have now is that when they go small, 
they don't have that two fucking advantages that they need for the, for the death lineup to work, whatever they call yeah. it, the pool party there. They're not more skilled and they're not faster than the opposition because Boston have a whole bunch of larger men who are mm. as vast and as skilled as their, their yeah. small lineup. And that's why they're getting fucking cooked on the, oppor- the, the times when they're not shooting shitloads of fucking uh, the, the threes other- and, and Jason Tatum shitting the bed, as in game two. The other thing, though, I think Draymond did was, like, his brutally honest assessment of the referees at the game two, like... I was sure that was going to come back and bite him in the ass. I was sure he was going to get yeah. double technical. And, and it wasn't that so much. No, no, but, but Steph got... But, but he, Steph almost got fouled out. Well, here's what happened, right? Steph had four fouls. Yeah. Draymond had four fouls. Clay had four fouls. I think Gary Payton Jr. had four fouls. Do you know how many Marcus Smart had at the end of the third quarter one foul now didn't we say that about game one last week that the, the entire starting fucking Celtics didn't have any, any yeah. fouls on them you watch Marcus Smart defend Steph right one of the most mobile yeah. mobile players going around and you it's impossible not to foul him at least two or three times in a half it's just not possible yeah. and it's like Draymond all you've done is Consciously or unconsciously, the refs are going to give. And if Smart can get away with that stuff, a la Chris Paul style, it just makes Steph's job harder than what it is. And I sort of feel like Draymond's promoting himself as a media person in these press conferences as much as he is thinking himself as a player on the dubs. And if I was Steph, I'd be like, dude, just shut the fuck up and do your job for three games. That's all I need, mate. You can do all the, all the honesty in the podcasting afterwards, but just for now, shut the fuck up and do your job. Do a bit like, of LeBron Zero Dark Thirty. It wouldn't it? Wouldn't be a bad thing. But like we're we're expecting one big clay game, right? All, all this. Ser- I'm not. All this series. I'm needs really not. Is for clay. I, I don't think he's got anything left. Uh, I like it, there was there was a moment when they got back within five in that game three. Well, they did the third quarter dubs thing, and then and then the Celtics did the fourth quarter Celtics thing. But Clay came off a good screen, got a good look, and it just hit the front of the rim like it because was, the rim was like, two inches too high. Yeah, yeah it was two centimeters <laughs> away from being uh, uh, be, from being buried, and like uh, the same as game one. If Steph had buried that shot at the end of the third quarter, that would have put them up, you know, eighteen or twenty. It would have been a very different fourth quarter. You know, Eme might have thrown the towel a little bit. Also, if they could defend literally anything, like anything. Yeah, that's anything. That's, that's the bigger. That's, that's the problem. I mean, the problem with 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 carrying Clay and, and Dre around is when Dre's off his game, and and as we talked about mm. last week, Clay's not the is not not the mobile fucking wing defender that he was. In a weird kind of way, they've become the Cavs that they beat to their first title. Remember, remember that Cavs team yeah. from the first title. The, the yeah. Cavs team that was just LeBron and Delhi, and it was just one guy going supernova trying to drag it. I think they did, he dragged it out to four ga- to six games, but they've yeah. become that yeah. team, haven't they? They've got Steph yeah. and a bunch of guys who might, might be good enough on the day, but probably won't. A bunch of J.R. Smiths, a bunch of Delis playing out of their skin, and that's that's kind of weird and sad. Mm-hmm. I did I did admire. Um, the Celtics drop coverage. I mean, it's taken a lot of a lot of heat, but the drop coverage on Steph actually worked. The drop coverage being where they dropped Al Horford on his legs. That seemed to have worked quite well to, to limit his, his his functionality in future games. 
if this series is still the series where every every game flips, so I wouldn't be surprised if if the the Dubs went out and won by thirty again the next game, and then you know Draymond gets ejected in the next game, and it's just. But the problem is that part of what frustrates about me is that I can't get a beat on this series, and a bit of it's like like what we talked what talked a little bit about last week, where all sport is like this at the moment. Nothing makes sense, and everything is just so randomised, and people are having meltdowns, and and people, you know, the whole thing is going to shit so unexpectedly. And if I'd actually made my money by betting it on sporting events, I would be uh, in need of serious medication by now. It's hard to sort of get joy from having narratives, and then having those narratives kind of contradicted by reality, because that's that's the joy of things, seeing an unexpected thing. But if everything's unexpected, then nothing's interesting. Here's a, here's an interesting theory that one of my mate, mates po- posted to me this week. I'll be the judge he, of he's, that. He's a little bit like me. He's not a massive rugby league guy anymore. But he, his theory was because Phil Gould is this sort of- Bloated dugong. Outside, yeah, well, uh, this outsized influence within New South Wales rugby league, you know, like his fingers are everywhere, whereas Weird Queensland, ha- Queensland has this old boys network, but it's- it's spread out, right? Like they all have because they were they were all so successful. You know, there's Meninga, there's there's Bennett, there's Lockyer, there's Slater. But yeah, there's the new generation sp- of the Slaters and the the Smiths and the and the, all that sort of group. Yeah, yeah, but all of them have you know the cachet to be able to put their two bobs worth in, right? The influence is all spread out, and the opinions all spread out, and the cultures all spread out. It's not sort of hinging on this one big older influence that. Is just yeah. sort of sitting there determining which which way the culture is going to go, and he's like, like, is Ghoul actually warping their chances of success by, you know, because every time he talks in the media in New South Wales, it just gets, you know, it it, it gets this sort of overblown sense of um, importance of probably what it is. Yeah, I don't think I don't see that as as an impact on the New South Wales Origin team as much as uh a comment on the media, the media desert that rugby league mainstream coverage exists within. The thing about Origin is that the margins are so thin, and, and the overreaction to to games that really turn on a fucking sixpence. Phil Gould's <laughs> a bloated dugong, and anybody who listens to his opinions is a delusionary fuckwit. But I, think, I don't worry so much about his impact on New South Wales rugby league because you know it, those those are high variance all star games that it doesn't really matter who you send out there. Uh, whoever has the best day will have the best day. I'd be more upset if I was a Canterbury Bankstown supporter because he has fucked that joint and he will continue to fuck that joint. And um, fuck them because they're Canterbury yeah. Bankstown, you know, they're Super League. That, that, you know, that's interesting that he's he's essentially had a huge influence in three three clubs, three Sydney clubs. I guess you just go from job to job, but... Yeah, uh, and, and to be fair, he was. I mean, that, his first success was was at Canterbury. He was the coach in '88. But yeah, he, he's played for the Dogs. I think he also played for South, but um, he's not particularly well liked there. Uh, obviously, Penrith, and um, his involvement with the Easts, which is how he ended up with uh, Brad which, Fittler. Which and it looks it? like he's going to try and airdrop Brad Fittler into the fucking Dogs. Which you know, I feel bad for Brad Fittler. Uh. Yeah, East is his natural home, I think. I think it became that after the... But that sort of happened after Super League because um, a lot of the ex-Penrith, when they all bailed out because of the Super League thing, ended up at at East. 
Um, so there was like a the East East became like the almost like the foundation club of the ARL became like the the moneyed um, elite, whereas they'd been rubbish for like you know decades before that. Yeah. Why are we talking about Easts? Why are we talking about rugby league? Why are we talking I think about that was e- my fault. Yeah, you brought. You, I think the point you were trying to make was that um, Phil Gould is the Jerry Colangelo of rugby league or something. Or Jer- Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones. Uh, yeah. Jerry. Surprisingly enough, Jerry, Jerry Jones's teams are reasonably good for a man who's completely insane. The decline of New Zealand Test cricket continues is the phrasing that I saw in the, in the press today, or well, not today, this ah. week about about the result of the. The first test against England, uh, which kind of stands in opposition to the the idea that New Zealand cricket has never been at its highest, had never been higher. But the actual test team is cu- is currently disappearing up its own bum, even though all these these lovely New Zealand coaches are getting lovely gigs. Oh, like they were in the in the hunt on the last day. I think that's a bit rough. Well, they should have won if if Colin de Grunholm Designs didn't fucking wander out of his crease and get stumped. And, and they, yeah. they, if they had put on another 100 in their second dig, they would probably would have won the test match. But they didn't, and they didn't. And, and now they've got to go into the next test without their captain and best best batsmen. So. Yeah, that, that COVID. <laughs> See what happens when you 18? This is why the, the Suns did the right thing and covered up their COVID cases. Yeah, that's right. Just, just said nothing. Yes. All right, Doc. And that squares the circle and brings us right back around to the start. I have uh, many, many thoughts about about the music this week. So, should we go get some lawnmower fuel and come back? We should do that. This has been Bull's podcast. I've been the Doc. He's been Bezo. I will continue to be the Doc, and he will continue to be Bezo until further notice. We'll talk to you again next week. See ya. See ya.